Welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. This is Bilal Zaidi, and we've got our man Trunk Fan in the house. What's going on, Trunk? What's happening, guys? I know uh, this is going to be a very focused episode. We're going to yeah. be talking about philanthropy in the mm. age of Web 3.0. Is that right? Is that what we're it. talking about? And talking of okay. Web 3.0, we got our man, Mr. Jack Butcher, in the place who's saving the world one tweet at a time, just the way Keith Raboy said he used to do. Jack <laughs> is actually saving lives with his tweets oh, right yeah, now. Hold so. on a second here. Jack, what is your current ranking on Mir in terms of uh, NFT? Uh, I actually don't know. There's no, there's no way to see, but they've done oh. some monster raises on Mirror, like in okay, the millions. Okay, so you, you might be out of the top ten. <laughs> I would think that was. Yeah. was that that was on a foundation, right? Foundation was the one foundation. we talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So just to to level set for what we're talking about today, I mean, there's we've been talking about this for many episodes to do this around philanthropy, kind of the future of it, how. We can use the stuff we're all interested in, technology, Web3, all this sort of stuff for good. And we've talked about it in little little parts. Um, and Jack's been doing a bunch of projects with this. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to go into some of the stuff I did at Chai Tawara and then kind of have a discussion on that. So Jack, do you want to tell us about what you've been doing with Mirror? Because this is really, really cool. And if you want to share your screen, you can, yeah, you let can me do share. that as well. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you you know what happened a, uh, a couple of days ago from, well, a couple of weeks ago, by the time you're listening to this, the uh, Taliban occupation of Afghanistan, which displaced hundreds of thousands of families. And um, my immediate thought was like, obviously, there's very little that we can do thousands and thousands of miles away, but what could I do with the small platform that I've built to contribute to helping people that are struggling. So the, you know, visualize value as a platform that has been dabbling in the world of NFTs. It's a, obviously a way to generate capital. So the first thing I looked was like, is there, are there charities that are helping in Afghanistan that accept crypto? Uh, so that's the first sort of bit of research I did. I found this charity called care, which has people and partners on the ground in Afghanistan that um, I believe started about 70 years ago. And the name comes from the care packages that they used to put together for families in parts of the world that are going through tough times. And they framed this campaign as give $89 to provide emergency supplies for one family for 30 days. You know, obviously, multiples of that would provide for multiple families. So it struck me as you know, this very tangible thing that you normally you would go and put your credit card into uh, a form, choose the amount, send and done. Um, but it struck me that, that you could represent that, uh, that pledge or that, that um, donation with a piece of art. So if you're looking at the shared screen, you can see it. If you're listening, it's just a really simple black and white graphic in the style of visualized value that visualizes this 30-day care package using Mirror as a platform, which is kind of this hybrid of publishing that lets you, it's, it's on-chain publishing, but it lets you embed NFTs within editorial content. So it's Unlike something like a foundation where you just have an auction for a piece of art, this allows you to like add NFTs in contextually. So um, the way this is structured is just a really short description of what's going on. 
uh, link to the organization, and then one NFT that costs the amount of that donation. And it, with Mirror, you can actually route those funds to an Ethereum address of your choosing. So I, I upload the NFT, build the addition, and put CARE's address in as the recipient. So I'm, I don't have to custody any funds. Uh, there's no transaction that you know I have to manage money Process or anything. Process or like anything. That. Oh, that's yeah. You don't have to like hold man. it and send it. It's just directly going. Directly. So, so that's what, like you know, if we talk about like paradigm shift one, it's that I didn't get in touch with Care. I didn't like talk to anybody. I was just like, I'm going to do this. We'll see if it works. I've got their address. I can send the funds, which is again capturing this while it's top of mind is another important thing. Bilal, you probably have a good perspective on this too, but like this news story is breaking in real time. People are like consumed by this issue and that is the time when you should raise capital, right? But if I'd have gone to care and said, hey, I want to set this thing up. What do you think? And then it's like, well, what's an NFT? Who are you? How's it going to work? What's the social media strategy? It's like, no, I'm just going to do it and then you're going to receive the money. Well, Jack, what you would have said is actually, guys, uh, if you've ever been a foundation, uh, if you, you go to the top <laughs> 10 creators, I'm actually number 10. So to answer yeah. who I am, that that's who I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? Like the conversations I had after launching this. So um, Care is partnered with this organization called The Giving Block, which is basically the transaction layer that lets nonprofits and charities um, capture payment with crypto. So they have all of this infrastructure that's just, you know, they plug a widget on their website essentially, and it lets them take donations in crypto. Those guys are incredibly interesting and hopefully do some more work with them. Maybe we could even get them on the show at some point, but um, that made this entire thing permissionless, right? Mirror as a publishing platform, giving block as a plugin uh, I could have tweeted out, hey, here's a link to the credit card form for Afghanistan. Guys, donate to this. Not very compelling or like unique to me. Uh, yeah. While it's very admirable, I think, to spread awareness, things that I think there's just this moment in time now where you can do things that are like highly specific to your platform and generate uh contributions to causes that you care about. So the if you're looking at the screen, you can see we've sold 690 of these, an addition of 1,000. So that's 690 families. All that money goes straight to care onto the ground in Afghanistan, deployed and, and Jack, as fast as possible. As, as Trunk says, let's not bury the lead. What's the, uh, the total raise so far? Because it's actually a significant amount, right? Yeah, we're at like $115,000. That's, that's, that's absolutely incredible, man. In a few that days. absolutely incredible. I think- and just uh, to, go, go on, Tron. No, I just wanted to ask Jack is, uh, so you mentioned a couple episodes ago about just purchasing like uh, CryptoPunks or NFTs. It's so much easier when you're already in the ecosystem, right? So there's a, there is an aspect here where people are literally just sitting on massive, like crazy crypto NFT paper yeah. gains in ETH, right? And there's like, all right, right, whatever, we'll just dump it, which is still great. Uh, would you say that, that was part of it too? Is that people have all this ETH just kind of sitting around? I think there's some of that, but I also think uh, I can, let me pull up some of the quote tweets here. I think this is a pretty cool um, fork in the road, potentially like people buying their first NFT. So oh my just goodness. 
Yeah, this is like that's incredible. A, a, an actual use case for NFTs. Um, mm. uh, unexpected well, this is like use a, of like NFTs. Like a killer app almost, right? It's like it makes uh, giving in times of crisis the most frictionless and anyone can spin it up and you can verify everything. You don't have to trust Jack Butcher. You just check the account, right? Yeah. You check the ETH address. You, you know it's going there. Yeah. Yeah. And and you get a lot of questions. I'm sure, Bilal, you've had experience with this as well. I was like, is this real? How do you know? Blah, blah. It's like, here's the Ethereum address and care and um, the giving block commented on the tweets. because I've been in touch with them. So it's all happening completely transparently. I send the funds to them. They're like, money has been received. Uh, everyone can keep contributing because obviously well, the cool thing is of- you can sorry jack you can also um a lot of these charities nowadays if they're doing stuff like this they have it publicly on their site so you can verify and then the cool thing about this is you can see the money directly goes into their their wallet um we we can get onto the transparency part in a minute but just to give context on the hundred thousand like a lot of people listen to this are like business people and we hear these crazy numbers all the time of billions of dollars and startups and blah, blah, blah. Like just to put in perspective, raising $100,000 is like a significant amount for for any charity, obviously. But just uh, like to put in perspective with Charity Water, my, my old team was the brand partnerships team. And we work with hundreds of companies like Google, Amazon, WeWork, St. Laurent, like really big brands. And if they at the time it was over 100k would put them in like the top tier of you know the sort of brand partner that we would want to work with and this is companies with billions of dollars and revenue and stuff like that Mental. like obviously some of them gave way more than that like in the millions but just if you could get up to 100,000 that was kind of our threshold to be like okay this is a significant amount that we can like dedicate resources on our team side do creative stuff um, but you did this in a few days with just by pushing out a tweet and your creative idea. And um, so, that, yeah, I'm just saying it's it's a significant amount of money to, to do that. Wait, Bilal, could you actually go through, because I think what's really important here is Jack's touch on a few of the points. He did it without asking care, spun it up in a couple of hours, uh, and, and people can just verify on their own. It's like, can we actually go through the differences here and how much of a shift this is? in being able to react real time to a crisis. Like, uh, yeah. like I'd love for you to just think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. What I'd say is, again, this is the caveat of like, I'm definitely not an expert in like overall charitable stuff, but just from my experience working on it for a few years. So there's two parts. One, what I love in this scenario, this is an emergency relief thing, right? Like th- those companies are, or those nonprofits are actively fundraising in the moment. It's similar to like hun- Hurricane Katrina, or something that is like you need money on the ground. There, there has been talk about the other side where people criticize this approach. There are people who'd say what happens in these scenarios is so much money gets raised because of the awareness and you don't actually have you know, a, a way to distribute it properly. And like, what are you actually spending the money on? Are you diligently showing people uh, what is going on? Is it being used properly? All that sort of stuff. So in an emergency scenario, like they don't have time to be figuring out all this stuff to to tell people are just happening. Whereas like a charity water or other nonprofits that are kind of evergreen, uh, evergreen fundraising, uh, you know, for like a big crisis, that's a little bit different because 
that you can collaborate with them. So let's say Jack went to do something with Chaitua. I would say, yeah, it's great. Like go and just do it and raise money. Like lots of gamers and streamers do that all the time. And they raise like a bunch of money and the money just goes directly to the cause. Um, but in your scenario, it would probably make sense to like you, there could be a benefit to working with them because you get, you could put your resources together. You might not know certain things that they know and vice versa. At the same time, the trade-off is, you know, it's going to be a bit slower, like you said, right? Like, and you don't have time to be waiting months for uh, permission. You're just like, look, I've got this idea. Let me do it. So I think you could argue both ways. Um, Trung, your specific question though, around like being able to show what it, if I the, guess. Like, Cause Jack mentioned some mechanics here, which were super interesting, right? Is like, it's just like he didn't have to coordinate with anybody. He just did it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So that's what I, well, that's what I'm curious about to hear is like, is this actually a different? Like, are you seeing things that can be done via crypto and blockchain which could not be done previously, or is this I, just? I think so. Stuff? I think it's more like showing that it's actually gone into an account publicly. You know, you could say that going directly on the website and putting money there and sh you know you could put a screenshot of the email like p there's right. ways to prove it but like i think this is a direction that we're going to eventually move anyway um especially for a, a, an area which lacks a lot of transparency and we'll get onto it in, in in a bit but just like there's a huge chunk of the population that don't trust charities so it's like more than it's like more than 60 percent of people don't trust charities so stuff like this if they're and they're often seen as like slow moving, slow to adopt new technology. So yeah, in, in this case, if they were to embrace it and say, look, we have nothing to hide. Here's a public address. This is where you can see the amount of money that's coming in. Um, I think that's a positive step. On its own, it's not enough because you still need to, you know, th there's like legal requirements sometimes. Like sometimes there's like KYC stuff. Like if someone just dropped a bunch of like illegal money in your account, you could be on the hook for verifying where that came from right. and stuff like that. Okay, okay. So so there are parts to it. And I think in crypto, obviously there are, like when I did this a few years ago in 2017, 16 or 17, there was a, a thing called the Pineapple Fund. Did we ever talk about this before? Or? Yeah, we talked about it briefly. Yeah, mm. just real, the summary on it is this dude went on Reddit and said, I've got 60 or $80 million I want to give to charities. Who should I give it to? And he just crowdsourced it. And I like cold emailed him and he gave us $2 million. So it was like quite a big deal. But even in that scenario, like everyone was really happy about it. But the CFO was like, okay, this is cool. But if we're going to do this in the future, these are the things you need to be aware of. And I didn't know that obviously, right? So the big one is knowing where the money came from too, uh, is in our scenario, we needed to convert that to dollars straight away. And we didn't have a system or mechanism to do that. Whereas nowadays, it looks like there is. You'd and be billionaires uh, right now if you just held, man. Held on Paper to hands, bro. Well, I, I remember one of the girls in the accountancy team basically was awake at like 3 a.m. converting it on Gemini or something like to dollars. It was because it came in and she's yeah. like, oh, we can't like risk it going down basically. Right, so right. It was kind of crazy. But anyway, um, Jack, was there anything else before we move on to some of the more discussion? No, they actually, I actually had one more. Uh, I think yeah, this is on. more directly to Jack, and it's something that he touched on. And I, lo I love Jack's perspective on it because he's got way more. Uh, it, it has the idea of like a portfolio of NFTs, right? Of these digital goods. So, the question I had, and I put it to Jack is so when people talk about Facebook and advertising, something that often gets brought up is that because of how you can target and because there's so many people on Facebook, Facebook actually 
created a whole class of advertisers that never would have advertised. Like, you know, a lot of small, medium-sized businesses that never would have advertised digitally, right? So when you're talking about uh, the quote retweets on your initial Afghan care package tweet, and you're showing people that are like, oh, I bought my first NFT. So my question is, do you think this will actually start creating a whole class of people that, you know, a lot of people want to be charitable, but for everything Bilal said, they never actually end up donating. Like, listen, I, in the past, I've donated money and I always think about, oh, how can I help? But oftentimes it's just that friction of, do I trust this source? Mm-hmm. Is it easy enough? It sounds like uh, there's two parts to this. One, the ease of this, which obviously can be, uh, there's some negatives to that. There's the ease of it. And also the second part is if, if in the future, everybody has these portfolio of NFTs, it's going to be dope where you can be like, oh, look, look at all the shit I donated to, right? And it's automatically there. You don't have, like, if you did that now, you're like, hey, man, go to my personal website. Oh, by the way, here's all the stuff I donated to. You look like mm-hmm. an asshole, right? right? But if it's all like natural, like, it's just, a, it's all collected and recorded. There's none of that uh, psycho- psychological part where you're like, you're kind of humble bragging. Like, do you, right. what, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I, I that to me, I don't have the, I don't have the language to even describe it at this point, but one of the things that I analogize it to is like, it would be very um, poorly received if you posted a picture of your bank statement versus change your profile picture to a crypto punk, right? If Gary V is like, Hey, here's a wire transfer for $5 million. People would be like, what the, you can't do that, but you can buy a crypto punk for $5 million and never be like, well, what a ledge, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's like a Rolex, it's like a watch. Like, yeah. the I remember, I forgot, I know Trung, you put up a thing about a Rolex recently. Yeah, the NFT, um, yeah. But <laughs> what, there was a phrase, it was something like a Rolex or a fancy watch is a handshake from afar. You know, because it's mm. like when you when you meet someone, especially as a guy, you're like, oh, I've got to give him the strong handshake, let him know I mean business. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, you don't even need to do that. You just got, you little, give him a little flex, you know. And Dude, now it's a- like the flexing is happening online, you know. Like, I got to so- tell you, there's a hilarious Jim Rome skit. Uh, Jim Rome, uh, the big sports uh, uh, personality. We, we should pull it up one of these future episodes. But he actually goes, there's a 15-minute skit. And this guy's a master. He makes like 20, 30 million a year because of these kind of monologues. He talks about 15 minutes about people's handshakes he's like there's a couple different handshakes there's like the limp fish guy that after you handshake him you have zero respect for this human being (laughs) but then there's like the other end there's the bone crusher he calls it the guy just comes and tries to crush your hand to try to (laughs) to to we all all met one of those yeah Yeah, but but dude he's got a hilarious one he added this one this one killed me there's the the fake gut punch guy the guy goes up to you like ah hey what's going on you know that guy yeah we definitely know that guy i feel like trunks done that before trunks (laughs) oh i'm just kidding oh i'm not gonna hit you (laughs) but uh no that's funny the rolex uh, i know that's a big detour but uh back to jack's let's go back to jack's point could i add one thing on jack what you're saying like you're completely right right because to me it's not about nft specifically it's about the macro point is what are the storytelling that what are the ways you can raise awareness and tell stories in today's age and what you did is you're in this already. You know what's going on. You know the people. You've worked on these platforms and you, and you execute incredibly quickly and in your, your way, right? And that's kind of the challenge for a lot of these nonprofits is like, to put it frankly, half of them, more than half of them don't have the, they just don't prioritize that in the first place, right? So someone like Charity Water does prioritize it, but even for them, it's difficult, right? Because they've still got 100 people. They need to get some approval. They need to brainstorm and make sure it's done uh, in certain yeah, ways. Yeah. 
and I could give a few examples in a bit around like the way they've done it with like virtual reality or remote sensors and stuff like that. Um, but what made them the most famous early on, like 12, 15 years ago, wherever it was, was they did these birthday campaigns. Do you remember these? So this no. was like, think Web 2.0. Oh, you know what? I think like, I did. Yeah, yeah, I think I do It was remember. like Facebook and you would say, um, it's my 30th birthday. Instead of giving me, uh, getting me a drink for oh, my yeah, birthday, I those. you can donate $30 or $31, whatever your age year was. And that blew them up, right? Like could mm. Bieber did it, Will Smith did it, a bunch of famous yes, people did it. And then, then you'll get like little girls that are nine years old doing it. And then you'll get you know, um, someone in another country doing it. So that was the equivalent of what Jack's doing right now. That was 12, 15 years ago when Facebook still had crazy organic reach. Like when you'd post it, it would get actually in front of all your friends. And uh, that's how they kind of were able to launch themselves pretty quickly. But as, you know, they get bigger or other people get bigger, it's harder to keep doing that every single time. So that was one of the challenges. Every year we would have this thing called the world water day and it was this or, or september it was a september campaign or something like that and we would have to come up with this huge idea every year and it was quite a big burden and then you've got the gala every year where you're getting like 400 super wealthy people who are expecting you to wow them in a completely new way so there's the, so it's amazing when people like you who are creative and have the skills and have done this for brands and yourself can just go and do it permissionlessly and just go and do it. So, um, but I think the question is, how do you get someone like yourself partnering with them as well? And that's a harder thing to do because it, most of them don't even have it on their radar. It's almost like making yourself an API as a, as a charity, right? You shirt right there. Make yourself an API. Yeah, that was you, <laughs> you said that about Virgil too. I like that. Yeah, he's like, like the, the culture API. Like you get exactly, in there, you come you, out looking fresh. You can have if if they do what they're supposed to do in the most um, efficient and effective way. So I think the charities that will win over time will be the more transparent. Like here's how the funds are used. Here's where they go. Should you have people that are experts at that trying to devise marketing campaigns? Probably not because they're going to suck, right? Every other word is going to be a hashtag on Twitter. You got a million followers <laughs> and you get like 19 impressions on every tweet. How <laughs> that happens, I don't know. Oh, I know exactly, dude. I know exactly what you're talking about, man. It's just insane. So the biggest accounts, they just, the at mention 10 people in a tweet, hashtag everything. It's completely illegible. No and reason. they must have just got followers when Twitter was, you know, 2009 or something where they got yeah. automatically like, hey, I care about philanthropy or i care about charities and like a bunch of people follow them just by default uh but now it's like why can't a creator you know in inverted commas just do what they do best and just have this ability to plug into the back end of a cause that they love so yeah. you say like hey uh, these guys at the giving block i was talking to them the other day it's like we're trying to get integrated with OpenSea. So your two and a half percent transaction fee, you can say, I want it to go here. And it just every single a billion dollars of volume oh in August goodness. on OpenSea. Imagine if 1% of that went to any kind of nonprofit or charity Absolutely. organization or a number of them is just a game changing thing. And I think in the same way you get this like Matthew principle or power laws, the charities that are the most transparent and the most like 
that plug into the same ideology of like show your work, you know, cryptos, proof of work, like cut out as much admin as possible, automate a lot of the finance layer, which is probably a bunch of the money spent on charities is managing, moving money, doing all this other kind of stuff. It's like audits you have to comply with and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Whereas like you can imagine, and maybe this is a little too utopian of a view, but all of that, um, you know, code as law within a charity, how money moves around and um, all these audits, you're in the same way that, that crypto sort of eats the middle, the administrative layer of all of these like uh, industries that are 2000 page contracts that can be replaced with a line of code right? Or, you know, a couple hundred lines of code that, that run in perpetuity. So I think the, pe the people that, that have grown their resources through crypto, I think will have more desire to contribute to organizations that are numerically transparent, right? And there right. are charities out there that are doing that. And it's also a talent game, right? It sounds like Charity Water was able to get, you know, Google Employee of the Year, Bilal, over here. <laughs> Employee of the Year. Where's no. my, I need a trophy in the back. I That's my remember background. Bilal Zaidi is the only person ever to show up at a Google interview wearing a suit. <laughs> I found you know out, I was saying? like speaking to someone uh, the other day and they said they did the same, a few people, but definitely, <laughs> okay, definitely. On. There's a couple of things that I want to pull on here. So number one is this. We all know Twitter's a cesspool of haters that have nothing better to do with their time. So first question for Jack, what were some of the, oh, this is so dumb, man. What yeah, were some of those point. comments? What were the dumbest comments you received? That, so one of my favorite ones, it's going to be hard to go back and find it. It was like, great, NFTs have solved the age-old problem of donating to charity. You know, oh some my like God. Gold just kick some smart ass, love yeah, it. Yeah. Justin one five eight nine three zero yeah, yeah, yeah. with the egg. <laughs> to be honest, though, that like resoundingly like solid. It's a very like you kind of have to be a little. I don't know, dude. There very are edge case of someone that's gonna like shit on this in public. Well, I mean, I'll find it. I'll. Uh, there's a really funny video. Not funny. It was awful. It was like it's like a YouTube video of like. Uh, it was like a cancer survivor gets his wish granted. And then it's 100,000 likes or thumbs up, 30 thumbs down. Right? <laughs> I, mean, like, I saw that. I saw that. The kid in school. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Who's giving this a thumbs down? Same with you. Who is shitting on Jack's problem? It's so dumb. But this is the other question I had is like, so like you have this job, right? And you're working. So when this thing happens, is your brain just immediately going, how do I use my platform? Because this isn't the first time, right? Two, three weeks ago, you did that thing with uh, crypto. Calling the centers. Center. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it on that. You're raising as well. money uh, for Coin Center, which is basically help, uh, not lobbying is the wrong word, but helping a lot of people, uh, you know. It's like educating support. politicians, yeah. yeah. So you're just so quick on this, man. It's like, what, what's going on here? Like, well, how does this work? And you're seeing this shit happen. You're like, I have like, what is going through Jack's mind when you see this type of stuff? I think it's like a combination of the, it's like the marketer gene. It's like, how could you do a better job with okay. this? And you know what else is interesting? Like now, uh, uh, I have a baby. I'm like, you think about these moments in time where it's like, 
this is a massive like geopolitical event that just happened and yeah. i think about like it's very easy to gloss over it that it's happening in real time but it's like when you think about in 20 years time i have a conversation with my son it's like what did you do when that was happening and i can point to this stuff it's like Race. i did what i could do two hundred thousand dollars in a day yeah yeah like i just tried i did what i knew how to do in the moment so that's like a lot of the motivation and it's also like um i know i've moved more towards like the art part of visualized value is more like real real-time commentary on stuff that's happening. So right. I've got, I, I, I feel like that has been a bit of a long-term shift. It's like a commentary on how the world is changing in, you know, crypto specifically is like my interest. So a lot of it manifests itself that way, but you know, it also can be used to uh, respond to certain events as well. So, and yeah, as soon Jack, as it happens, it's like, what can I do? Yeah, no, and I was gonna. That's great, man. And I, like we talked about in the last one or a few weeks ago, where you had the the phone for the for the NFT mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. calling the centers or senator or whatever. And look, like we said, a lot of this stuff. It's not like no one's ever invented a way to give money to charity. That's not the point here. Yeah, of course, this not, is using yeah. this is using like the uh, you're doing it in a smart way to raise awareness in a way that it's gonna take people are going to take note and it's going to stand out from the crowd that's all the game is right and uh, even with art right like people have been making art and giving it away for charity for forever um but even that like just to give an anecdote we did it when i was there and just to get awareness of it originally and, and not to name drop but we did it with banksy right and we did a original like we got a unique one with drop. banksy yeah, but yeah, but no, That's what I'm it. saying is like it's something that people didn't even believe it was real. And then and then eventually they were like, oh, it was on all the forums and we raised a decent amount from it. But your your thing raised more than the Banksy, which is crazy. Wow, right? that's crazy. Inflation. You know I mean? Yeah, it's inflation. <laughs> I think so. I can't remember the exact number, but I'm pretty sure. And that was like promoted on it was like we did something with eBay on auction and they promoted it on oh, something crazy. Talk stuff. About this. How Okay, I know, I, I know Jack doesn't even care about, oh, man, I did more than banks. Man. That, you clearly are just doing it because, I mean, yeah. there's, I think the bigger picture here, if we zoom back 50,000 feet, and like we talked about this, it's super cliche, but this whole idea of like, if you build an audience and they trust you, trusted distribution, you can kind of offer them anything, right? And like Jack clearly has building this incredible career and of an, uh, having an audience that trusts him and his two points, like, not, and Bilal, you touched on it. Not only is he doing this, it's exactly in the way that is consistent with the entire brand that he's built, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so and I know, Jack, you said before, if you were to sell makeup, it wouldn't work. But because what you're selling is art and you're, you know, you sold courses in the past related to like simplifying ideas visually, like that's what we know you for. So, Trung, you, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but no, no, that, I'm saying it's consistent. And uh, the, hold on, what was the other question I had? Um, I didn't have any more questions regarding this, actually. I had a question for Bilal. Right. Did you have any more points? Yeah, on yeah, no, something? go for it. No, you talked about uh, the gala <laughs> at uh, Charity Hall. Can you talk us through the gala? Um, yeah. The pros and cons of it and 
How much more efficient Jack's way of doing it was than the gala? <laughs> well, no, this, so I, I'll be completely honest, right? When I got there, I went in thinking quite negatively about galas in general, right? Okay. Like I'd been to a couple before. I'm not against them overall, but I just always, I'll just say exactly what I thought, right? Without knowing the numbers and everything. I just thought, okay, this is going to be a bunch of rich people feeling good for a night drinking eating nice food having a big party and then at the end they can pat themselves on the back right. right and at the same time when i started peeling back the layers and learning more about it i realized i was being the equivalent of that negative commenter oh. in a, not as bad right but i was being cynical right because i'm like oh these rich people are they they're not like maybe i think oh gallas have so they can be eating nice food regardless yeah. mate they can be yeah, having a exactly good time. that's exactly it so then when i would actually meet these people like because a lot of my job was to meet those people they were the heads of the company so my team were trying to work and create stuff with those companies and i was like no they don't need to be here like yeah they Okay. There's some tax benefits or whatever, but you don't have to give away the way a lot of these people did. They genuinely cared. They were doing as much as they could most of the time. Right, I'd say 80, 90% were genuinely just there for that pure reason, right? And and then when you actually look at, when you're hitting a certain scale or as an organization, you need to do all of them. That's the thing, right? So what Jack's doing is incredible, but, uh, and I think they need to, organizations should invest in this sort of stuff but you also need to be thinking about the individual who's giving $12 or $30 a month right. you also need to have a team um, doing white glove service for high net worth individuals and you can do the gala and then you can do the, the brand partnerships too that's how you get to 100 million in mm -hmm. raising right, funds right. right so that's kind of the the challenge and um, so then the the second part on gala is it was actually pretty incredible, right? And the way they did it was just so unique. Uh, I went to two or three, I've, I've forgotten, but at least two that I remember. Maybe, maybe it was just two. You one was in- You blacked out in the third. Nah, you don't think <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the last one was my last like week and I just went basically for that. But the what I'll say is, the way they did it was very unique. They wouldn't like auction off, do this thing with a celebrity like style. It was an incredible storytelling moment. And it was, um, it wasn't just a bunch of random rich people. These were people that were essentially paying for the org, paying for the hundred percent model, which I can explain what that is in a minute. Um, and people that were really influential in the business world, in media, actors, like YouTubers, like all these different people. So it was a big, it was like a splashy brand moment, if you see it like that. And yeah. there's, there's just something you can't replicate being in person, meeting those people, hearing that story. And the way we would do it was, really impressive and i didn't right. do it it was just those uh you know that other team and and that for that reason when you look at the amount invested and the amount you'd raised that night it was worth it right and um i can't say the exact numbers and maybe it's in their public stuff there's but actually a parallel right now to exactly what you're saying you know how the argument's happening about um uh, if you release movies direct to streaming or still do it in theaters like a big part of it is like nothing beats that premiere right yeah. like if you're building especially disney they're talking about you know the, so scarlett johansson is suing disney uh over how black widow was released and uh big i mean a big argument to her side is just like when you put resources behind a movie especially if you're building something you want long-lasting intellectual property in just having those moments is almost, I think, to, to what Bilal was saying there is uh, those moments for the brand, right? Is just like, 
very difficult to match. And the other thing is, Strong, we would basically use that as this center point where we would be creating a bunch of content and then we would take that content and use it for the rest of the year, right. next year with the other channels. So it was kind of like a big upfront investment, but then we would raise, I mean, one year, I think it was eight or $10 million in one night. Oh, right. amazing. So it's crazy amount of money. And it's and then those people leave energized and then they go back to their companies or whatever they're doing. And when I call them up in January after the gala, we were back, they're going to just be on a high wanting to right. work with us. So I'd, beyond the gala, it's just this face-to-face -face thing. You, it's really hard to replicate that. And and um, like hearing Scott, the founder, tell the story, like the, the I mean, just from a numbers level not just the amount but the conversion rate if you want to talk about like digital right like yeah. uh, uh, if you send someone to a website with a beautiful video you might convert five ten percent of those people and that's really good in person 40 percent of people would leave and join the monthly if giving you're program serving would... them wagyu carpaccio <laughs> they're gonna open that checkbook yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that helps as well sir would um, you like a wagyu carpaccio with your with your champagne there signed tell me where to sign <laughs> but yeah the summary is i was uh, after i left i was like actually this stuff works and i get why they do it and just you just have to know going in your principles and like you know we talked about it last time but just giving for giving sake not just a transaction and they're using the technology like we did this vr thing one year where we created a virtual reality film and 400 people put it on and watched it all at the same time and you you feel kind of crazy, right? Like you get transported, and you and then you're asking people to give money for the for the mm. gala. So it's a really powerful powerful way to do it, man. How did uh, is Charity Water known as the top magnet for like the McKinsey's, the Goldman, the Google type, like yourself? What is you it? mean for, to hire people? Or? Yeah, for talent. I mean, I, there were definitely there was an impressive level of people coming from like private sector and they had people from Google and Twitter and Uber and stuff like that, I think from before. Um, and then on the creative side, there were people from creative agencies, like really talented people there. My team had someone from Refinery29. She was like really senior there in partnerships and like, yeah, another guy from Startup World. And then the other half of the org are just like uh, the nonprofit people who understood international relations, NGO work, policy work. So I think it was a good, good balance. But the, I mean, the way I saw Charity World was it was like a startup. And I hate to use that phrase, but just it really, like it felt like a startup. If you came in the office, it was one one floor, like it's quite a sick office, but just it wasn't, it didn't feel like a normal nonprofit. Right. But you know, to, they, they had a hundred employees. So it's not like they're getting McKinsey people every week, right? They, right but right, they're getting right. a high caliber of person for sure. Can you uh, just, because you've been in that world. I'd love to, I know you've touched on it before, but could you address like the elephant in the room when it comes to billionaires donating? Like I'm sure you've done on both sides of that. And you know, whenever a billionaire donates something, there's always a, oh, this is only 0.01% of their net worth, right? That whole, that whole bollocks. Like, can you, like, you've probably seen that before. I'd love to hear, I love your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, th by the end of all of this, I was less cynical, right? So similar to what I said going in, I would think, people should be doing more. And then after, by the time I left, I realized, well, no, people can do whatever they want. And maybe it's also personally, I probably changed quite a lot as well, where instead of like pointing the finger at other people, I said, well, what am I doing? 
and how can I encourage other people to do something? How can I help them see the joy of giving or whatever along the way versus right at the end? But yeah, to answer your specific question around billionaires, look, man, I think it's it's hard to paint them with a broad brush. You know, there's people yeah, like Jack enough. Dorsey where I think he is given a significant percentage. Was it one third or something? Yeah. And people are still going to shit on him. And then there are people that, you know, it's part of their tax you know uh plan right and yeah yeah, and more than tax actually is the pr plan um so i don't know man i'm i'm not against people doing it for those reasons either like i think if your intent is still to do good i think that's fine you know and we we can't judge people we don't know like what their real intentions are 100 percent, man yeah yeah um well well, the way i'd wrap it the thought that i kind of had hanging over this entire conversation and listening to jack and yourself you know your experience jack's afghan care initiative is like i think at the end of the day is like people need to stop fucking caring and looking and blaming and pointing fingers at other people right he's like oh my god he's doing this just do something right jack did something yeah exactly Jack's not on twitter being like oh my god uh some total keyboard warrior being like this is such a failed U.S. policy. Literally, some like twenty-three-year-old kid that just came out of school. Then Jack's like, "No, no, no, cool. Like, uh, there's a problem here. I'm gonna do something about it, right? I'm not gonna be a keyboard warrior talking about whether or not Biden had the right geopolitical plan, right? This is what's so Trung's funny. Been watch- Trung's been reading David Sachs' tweet storm today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, uh, Jack, you put that out. I mean, it's perfect though. I- I've actually been thinking so ever since it happened. I haven't opined a single thing. On Twitter, because why would I? It's like, who the fuck cares what Trump fan has to think about Afghanistan, right? Yeah. It's like, why Why do I have to have an opinion about... Well, I do have an opinion. There obviously are parallels with my own family's history in Vietnam, right? Like, I could talk for hours about it, but like, I don't need to be somebody on Twitter talking about it to all these people without uh, a truly, you know, let, let, let these things marinate, first of all. And uh, I just love how, you know, there's just this outpour of people chiming in and you know, giving their two cents and Jack's literally out there raising 115 grand, yeah. right? I mean, like that's what the lesson actions is. Actions speak louder words, man. And then the other thing is for me is like anything charitable or even social justice, which is there's an overlap, obviously. Look, like people should do what they want. If, if protesting is your way to raise awareness and you're genuinely doing it for that reason, that's great. And I've done that. Like I've gone to a march before and I think that's fine. But honestly, the the longer I was there, the more I realized like what is my skill set, what am I good at, and and I did get Absolutely. to use like my experience in partnerships, advertising, creative, all that stuff for two years, and I probably, you know, with the team, raised more money than I could probably give in my lifetime, right? Because of the infrastructure, mm-hmm. not because I'm special, like do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at the you same time, though, mate. Th- cheers, problem. mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the but the other point is. I realized like what I'm really, what I really care about long-term is I love business. It's like very hard for me to like, it it was close, but it was not exactly, you you know, I missed the transaction. You know what I mean? Like, and I posted it on Twitter yesterday, like that video of the PayPal notifications coming in. Like there's nothing that gets me more excited (laughs) than the scene. You have to tell your girl that you got to close the door, right? It's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) <laughs> the PayPal's popping this morning. Give me three minutes. Give me three minutes. Exactly. <laughs> That's your dopamine hit, right? I, I get yeah, all yeah. my retweets and then you're getting your PayPal notification. Completely. But the, the last thing I'll say on it is, on that part is just, I realized like I'm there speaking to all these, you know, rich people and business people. And I was like, okay, I'm, this has been great for a few years, but like, I just want to go and do what I'm good at. And I can hopefully become one of those people, you know, or I can give what I can, 
what I can right. give. Mm. And I have a little bit more. Um, and now I have a bit more understanding of that world and so much respect for what goes into it as well. I actually want to illustrate something, which is you, you, you just noted it is like, I want to do what I'm good at and my skill set, right? And imagine 15 months ago, Jack was building visualized value, right? And uh, obviously crises have happened over the past 15 months, even apart from COVID, right? And maybe Jack didn't respond to every single international incident that happened. Probably didn't, right? And uh, if you felt the pressure at times, like, oh man, I need to do something at this very moment. Well, what Jack was doing was, he was doing what he was good at, building a brand, building a business. And fast forward 15 months later, he just raised $115,000, more than most people will ever do in their life, quite frankly, for a very you know, worthwhile cause. And this is all from the work that he'd be putting in just so you can even almost say selfishly, he's like, it's what you're interested in, right? Building your business. But because he did that and put in that work, he's able to have impact later. So I think there's all these parts where, you know, people shouldn't feel bad that they weren't able to contribute right away, but like do what you're good at and, you know, do it honestly. And then look what Jack did, like all this work he put in kind of met this moment and it sure, surely won't be his last. I can uh, I give you one more example. It's the basic follow-up from that. So t- December of last year, this is like 18 months into visualized value. You know, you have the tax, like if you give to charity the last month of the year, it's a tax rebate or tax, well, I don't know what the actual language is, but tax deductible, right? So at the end of last year, this is a good example of like building something that you're good at to use it for maximum leverage. I ran this campaign where I said, if you donate to a charity of your choice and send me the receipt in the dollar amount of any visualized value product, I'll give you the product. It's amazing. So it's like, I could, I could have taken, you know, there's no way if I'd have chosen a charity that everybody that would resonate with everybody, Right. no way that I could have raised, you know, I think we did over six figures on that too, $100,000 or something. Unbelievable, man. And if I had tried to raise that and give it myself, like it would have been a massive portion of our like income for the year. And there's all these tax obligations and stuff. But I just think there's a lot of creative ways that the internet opens up all these avenues for you to give. Even if you have a very narrow focus, uh, it isn't necessarily... Um, I'm just very excited about all of the creative ways to redirect capital and build relationships with people as a result of that. Right. Like it doesn't have to be, I think this idea of selflessness is kind of misconstrued in a lot of ways. Like this, let's make no bones about it. This makes me look good. Just talked about this for a long time. Like there is, there is an upside to this. Like I want to help, but there's also no reputational damage to raising a bunch of money for charity. So it's a positive sum game that we're playing. And I think the more people start to see it that way, the more good we can do faster. Like people spend a billion dollars on OpenSea last month, a billion dollars buying and selling cartoon art. And, you know, some I don't want to denigrate it all, but there's like a lot of crazy transactions going on. And to try and get 1% of that interest over to something that's like pure philanthropy you have to borrow some of the, the, the mechanics from that world, right? It has to like, it has to start becoming like culturally significant and interesting to people to contribute. And I think this like skin in the game, status driven philanthropy is going to be a thing. So I just run one more idea by you. It's like, 
imagine you want to build a school somewhere and you made NFT components for that school. So it's like 30 laptops. So you can go in and buy five laptop NFTs. The funds are rooted. They buy laptops in the real world. Then you're on Twitter and you say, I just bought this. I just did this for this school. Oh, someone else sees that campaign. They go and like buy the other half. And you have this like physical representation of giving and it gamifies it. It makes a network out of it. Um, and I think part of what drives that gala mechanic is competition between people. It's oh, like, how man. good can you be in front of your, it's like a Bobby Axelrod, like there's a scene there, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep throwing their hands up over each other unless like we should harness the things that drive us to give more. Exactly. If it and works, I think, yeah, you just it works. Lean and I think into it. somebody, another quote that I forgot to mention of like a, you know, naysayer on that tweet was like, giving is not about getting something in return. It's like giving is about figuring out a way to get resources from one place to another. However, you need to do it. And that, that's if, a great way to put it. That's the pragmatic, honest right. way to describe it. If you're a marketer man. or you're an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, you can have that opinion, but the number stays at zero because your opinion <laughs> is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This is all a... Uh, we should probably pull it up uh, after maybe the editors can help with this, but there's that Patrick Carlson tweet, right? He's like, uh, pessimists sound smart, but optimists get paid. It's the yeah, same, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, you great. can sound That's... really smart making fun you of that. Delete the whole episode and Dude, just leave that. I'll be honest, man. Yeah, delete the whole episode because the, the, the Jack, <laughs> the, the, the chirp on Jack's uh, Afghan care package, pretty funny. Look, NFT, look, looks like NFT solved like the Afghanistan situation. That's fucking <laughs> funny, bro. I'll tell you right now, like objectively, that's hilarious. But Jack the Optimist is the one raising 115K, right? So just kick her off. But Jack, I was just going to, just because we got maybe five minutes left on this part, I just wanted to close it up by, I think a lot of people listening to this do care about helping in different ways, whatever the cause is. And just from the way you describe what you described before, I wanted to call out a few things. And it was relevant to kind of things I learned. If I was like mm. writing five bullet points or something about what I learned there. Um, the first thing is you already get this because you're a marketer, you, you're good at thinking about these things. But the way you've communicated that care package was this helps one family, right? That sounds so obvious, but you'll be surprised if you just go on a nonprofit, most nonprofit sites, how much is like mm. the money or they'll just, they just use statistics. And that yeah. was the first thing I learned is like there's 700 million, 785 million people that don't have access to clean water. Can you visually think of how many people that is? It's like impossible. No, yeah. no so chance. I could maybe say, I could try to translate it and say, all right, one in 10 people in the world don't have access to clean water. That right. is a little bit better. But if I tell you a story of someone that I've personally met in Senegal who was before and after the clean water and what they do. And now they've got a kid that doesn't go through the same thing or their mm -hmm. mom has now set up a business selling banana bread, which is a true story. And they, we captured that. That is, that is so much more powerful yeah. for the closing the loop part, right? Like once, let's say this Afghanistan thing in one year and you, you actually got to meet some of these people or families and you said, this person made it over to Canada or they made it over here and, and this is the life they've built. That is so much more powerful than just we raise X million dollars because millions, that, that doesn't really mean right. that much right. to people. So I think- It's packaging, uh, man. It's all, it's all the same lessons, packaging. right? It's like exactly. packaging, product right, positioning. Yeah. You're selling a product. It may, yeah. That may sound like a cynical way to frame it, but it's like there are dollars in somebody's account. They're either going to buy a portion of chips, 
whatever a Netflix <laughs> thing, or they're going to donate to charity. You You're still competing. got that gig song in your head, mate. You got, you say, <laughs> well, actually, I mean, if you guys want to take it to the most cynical way possible, the, the quote attributed to Stalin. <laughs> Let's go. Bring it, bring it. Yeah. Well, Tron, I mean, bringing it back. It's History apparently Professor misattributed Tron. to him. And listen, we don't really want to be tying Stalin to <laughs> Jack's, like, uh, you know, philanthropy here. But This will uh, be in the YouTube search results. Yeah. 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 This is going to be monetized yeah. before you're monetized, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, listen, he, I don't know. Nobody knows if he actually said it, but it's the same sentiment, right? Like, the death of one person is a tragedy. The death of a million people is a statistic. You've never right, heard right. that. And uh, Sean got some bars today, that, son. I don't want to be quoting Stalin, but uh, it's the same idea, right? It's like, but once it starts hitting these numbers, it's it's unimaginable, right? And then you you, yeah. you start hitting these. I mean, it's a story. The one for one is genius. You're right, Bilal. It is a it and is a true completely. And then just the the couple other things that ties into that is if you think about and I'm trying. I'm sure yours was similar. Uh, but Jack, growing up in the UK, we would have seen these old school you know, like Oxfam ads or something, which was like yeah. basically a poor kid, normally in Africa, like a black kid with flies on their face and, you know, the belly and just looking really poorly. And it would have the sad music. And look, that might work to a certain extent. But what I really loved about the first day I got there, you do a tour of the office and the first, they have a brand book and they're one of the kind of principles is we only tell stories through hope, not guilt. And that just yeah, change that's, is that's such badass. a huge change. It's not that's like, great. oh, look how terrible life is for them and like point a finger and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes you need to show the urgency, obviously, but it's, it, it, it helps so much more by focusing on like the hopeful story to say someone's in a bad position, but you, you have a chance to help them get out of that position, like look forward. And, sh and, and then the last part around that storytelling is the hero's journey, which we need a whole hour just to go through what that is. But if you can Google this, what the hero's journey is or YouTube it. But essentially when I learned about the hero's journey, I thought it was like, we're the hero. We're the one saving people, right? Like helping people. Yeah. But in charity specifically, th your job as the marketer and what Jack did was he is the guide. So if you know the hero's journey, there's a guide in uh, any film. There's he's a like guide. He's like Obi-Wan for Luke, exactly. right? Like he's like, he's he's like this, uh, or he's a, uh, he's, um, oh, sorry he's not uh, he's morpheus morpheus for neo morpheus the guy uh, and, exactly exactly yeah. and what your job is to say to someone those few things quantify through a story hope versus guilt and then give invite someone to, to like give them a chance to step up to the plate so what mm -hmm. you said is made it easy you can help one family with this amount with this ethereum point whatever it was now you're making them the hero and and that's quite a hard thing to get your head around when you're when you're doing that but i think it makes a big I difference love, i had uh that's that's brilliant man for you to yo blah bro google employee <laughs> of the year man you're the guide <laughs> i never thought about it like that you're you're uh you're the man that's great to see you it's like hey man yeah have you seen matrix morpheus is pretty cool man you get to be morpheus this yeah. is you just there needles around everywhere exactly. And I'll say not to plug the stuff too much, but I did a whole episode on charitable uh, with the head of Crave and the founders episode two on Creator Lab. But we're also, gonna cut this part out. We'll cut yeah, this yeah. part out. <laughs> There's another one. Just search for Tyler Reva. Uh, just type in Tyler Creator Lab, and he's the head of Crave at charitable, and he tells all these kind of lessons. Um, and the last thing I'll say, because we do need to wrap up, is from what Jack did was using the tools at the time and using technology. So for 
you know, the reasons people don't trust charities are two main reasons. There's, there's a lot more, but the two big ones is you don't know the overhead, right? Like you, you want to know the percentage. If I give a hundred dollars, how much of this goes to Afghanistan versus the admin bods mm. doing stuff in a back office, right? Is that close to 80%? Yeah. Is it 50%? Is it a hundred percent? And then the second thing is transparency, like showing where it was raised from and where it went, like the impact of that. And the way Charity will address that is they kind of popularize this thing called the 100% model. And what right. that was, was we basically said, if the general public doesn't trust or wants to know how much goes to the cause, we're just going to open two bank accounts. Our overhead will have to raise from people like Johnny Ive and you know mm. Chris Sarko, these people who understand what it means to invest. And that means a million unique people can give a hundred dollars and all of it will go to the cause. And, and that's actually really hard to do because you have to basically raise the same amount in both different bank accounts. It's really difficult to do. Is give so, directly the one that says they give a hundred percent? Is that? I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at that. Okay. Um, but it's actually really hard. And the thing is, the, the point on that is there needs to be overhead. Right. There always is overhead. It just it's where it's coming out of. Yeah. And being able to prove that. So anyway, we could talk for ages about that, but that there was just a, a few examples. I got, I got one to close. If you you want to go try. Go yeah, I'll be I'll be very quick. It's, it's my 120 seconds on uh on charity, uh specifically effective altruism. I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it. You probably know. It's just the idea that uh uh, you know, it's some stuff about touch on is like, how did you are the what's the most effective way, right? Is like, can you actually put in a model, the risk reward of uh, giving money to a certain cause, uh, a measure that it's often used is called quality, K-Q-A-L-Y, it's so a quality of uh, life years. So basically, a lot, there's a lot of criticism around whether this number you can really capture uh, the value of uh, donating money to somebody. But one way is like, you know, it's like how many quality life years can you extend a person's life if you it, it donate, right? I'm probably completely chopping it up. But the whole reason I bring this up is something about um, effective altruism and the idea of uh, uh, within it is the idea of earning to give. Because a lot of people will be like, hey, what? How do, I, how, how do I do something good? And you know, you have this sense, like for example, Bilal left Google to go work at Charity Water. But the, learn, the earning to give uh, framework is basically, you know what, just do what you're good at and make a shit ton of money. And then you can give to these organizations which can handle the money well, right? And again, there are criticisms to this, but uh, one, one, the one framing of it and the organization that kind of looks at this really well is called 80,000 hours. Uh, so if you Google 80,000 hours uh, and 80,000 hours refers to how many hours you'll work in your life, uh, they're just trying to put people to the right careers and having the most effect and most impact. But their, their whole argument, they made an interesting argument and you know you can disagree with it, but the idea is like, if you're 19 years old and you're thinking about, if you're a sick coder or you're a sick creator like Jack, you're an artist, you, you know how to sell on the internet, but you also want to be a doctor because doctors quote unquote do more for society. The 80,000 hours like earning to give argument is, well, actually, if you look at how many doctors are in the world and how the medical system is set up, if you are a very good medical student or could be, and you choose not to do it, somebody's going to take your place, right? You choosing not to be a doctor is actually not going to impact the medical system because of how it's structured. However, if you're like a Jack, a one of one type of, or one in a hundred thousand type of internet creator that can build community, create art that can sell and raise awareness. And you're in choosing to be a doctor instead of what 
instead of doing this real skill of yours, you're actually depriving the world of that. And that actually, if you were to net it all out in a formula, is less impact than if you were to become a doctor. So for anybody that's young and like, oh, you know, I want to do these careers that are uh, uh, on the surface area is what quote unquote society thinks is the most beneficial. If you can be a superstar at something, you should pursue that because A, it'll make you happier. And B, just look, I mean, Jack's a great example here. Look how you can turn being really good at something into something that can really impact other people's lives, right? So that's all I wanted to say. No, I love that, man. Jack, you were going to say something? We're on the same page, Strong. I was going to reference our uh, Big Brother podcasters from the All In podcast. There's this clip of uh, (laughs) Chamath. Have you seen this clip? He's getting interviewed in San Francisco somewhere. And um, so a lot of these people have like goals for social impact. How does that square with like your capitalist uh, view, view of the world? It's like, you want to change the world? Get the fucking money. Yeah. Amazing. In a very and he just repeats way. it over and over again. And he's like, you know what? That like lodged in my head in such an incredible way where it's like, if you want to make any impact whatsoever at scale, money talks, man. Figure out how to make money. That's it. Yeah. This, well, especially this, in, uh, in our age, man. Yeah. And I, I think though, I'll just balance it by saying, I think it's a bit of both because, you know, the obvious nothing is black and white in this way but i 100 agree like when i'm speaking to all these people that in my old job i just kept saying like okay i should be leaving and doing what they're doing because i'm probably got a better chance of making impact that way um at the same time for someone else who who doesn't have those skills or isn't interested in that stuff they might just want to go work and spend you know they don't mind to have as much money to give but they've got time and energy and like they can multiply their efforts in that way as well. So, but, and, and then the last point is for some people, they make the money and then by the time they get to that point, they just forget about yeah. the stuff that they thought about in the past and you, you become a different person, which is, which is sometimes fine. But one of the best things I learned kind of from Scott and seeing him speak to, you know, a lot of these people is he showed them the joy of doing it along the way. And like, whether that is what Jack just did using his skills, whether it's at the end of the year, him giving out of his own pocket. I think, and and honestly, man, once you, like, it doesn't have to be a lot of money, but once you actually see the impact and the organization's done a good job, it's very hard to go back to not doing that because you realize like, yeah, you you just get a buzz from from giving, you know what I mean? So um, I think it's a... Good way to wrap it up, boys. Anything yeah. else before we before we no, wrap that up? That was great, man. No, I feel like great. this is the first of many. Uh, this is, and I, and I feel like there's gonna be a couple more uh, Jack uh, drops like this. But uh, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah, guys. I love it, Jack, man. What you did is is sick, and we, it hasn't even finished yet. So, well, thanks to everybody. If you're listening to this and you contributed or you shared it or you did interacted with it in any way, you're just as responsible as me. So I appreciate it. Hundred percent. All right, boys. And uh, yeah, so that's been another episode. Thanks for joining us. And uh, join us in the Telegram group and let us know what you think of this on Twitter as always. And uh, we'll speak to you on the next one.